Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 14, verses 15 through 31 about the parting of the Red Sea, called Go Forward. I want to ask you a question as you turn back to Exodus. How many of you have come to Living Truth during the COVID season and you arrived here during the last year, year and a half? Just raise up your hand. Everybody just look around for a second. Now, if you were to ask me, Pastor Michael, it's 2020. We were doing all those play on words. 2020 vision. We're going to have a 2020 vision. It's a chance. Sounded great. Could you imagine if you interviewed a pastor and they said something like this? Our church growth strategy for 2020 will be this. There will be a worldwide pandemic. We will keep our doors open. We'll open with a thousand other churches in California and take a stand. And people will flock to living truth simply because the doors are open. That's our strategy for 2020. Say what? Come on, man. But God does work in mysterious ways. And we should praise him for his faithfulness because he is good. And we learn in the story of Gideon when he pairs down the army to 300, God does what he does for his glory so that there's no mistaking that it is, it is his power. God delivers his people from drowning and paralyzing fear, says one writer. And I would submit to you, brethren, that we are about to read an account that is one of the ultimate faith lessons in our Bibles. The Lord guides, he protects, and he delivers his people. Fear will paralyze you from moving forward, but it is time to go forward. And that is our message today. This miracle is attested all throughout scripture. Uh, Just a couple of quick snapshots. In Joshua 2.10, if you're taking notes, Rahab the harlot says to the spies, we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. Joshua 2.10 Part A of the verse. Psalm 106, verse 7 says, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindness, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, you saved them for the sake of your name, that you might make your power known. Psalm 106, 7 and 8. It says, You rebuked the Red Sea and dried it up and led them through the deeps and through the wilderness. And then Psalm 106, 19 through 22 says, Israel made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a molten image. Thus they exchanged their glory for an image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God their Savior who had done great things in Egypt, wonders in the land of Ham, and awesome things by the Red Sea. Psalm 106, 19 through 22. I'll be giving you other verses as we go through, but I want you to see that there are many parallel passages that celebrate this miracle and say that it occurred and it happened just as the Bible said. What can we learn from it? That's where we're going. And so the Lord says to Moses, Exodus 14, 15, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. There's our title. If you have an NIV, it says to move on. If you have a New Living Translation, it says tell the people to get moving. Time to get moving. Amen? Now, prayer is important, but prayer in this instance, and such a great preacher as C.H. Spurgeon said, 
he celebrates prayer. It's the happy, holy uh, privilege of God's people. But there's a time, please hear this well, when prayer takes a second place to moving. How do I know that? God just said that. Stop crying out and move. And those of you who have been around the church for a while know that praying about things can be a convenient way to slip out of things. So something gets proposed to you, a potential ministry, a place that you can serve or whatever it may be. And I'm not saying you shouldn't pray about it, but some of you have been praying about it since 1978. (laughs) Well, I'm praying about it. You're praying about it. Well, there's a time to pray and there's a time to move. And I'm not saying the two are mutually exclusive because they're not. We should pray and move. We should do like Nehemiah. He saw the broken walls in Jerusalem and he prayed, but he also had an activated faith. He was getting materials and asking the king's permission. And there is a time, obviously, to wait on the Lord, but there's also a time to move. Isn't it your time to move? Well, what, what, what makes us not want to move forward? Usually fear. And, you know, I've said at many wedding ceremonies, this is one practical application, that sometimes it's unforgiveness that keeps us stuck. Forgiveness will move you forward. Unforgiveness will keep you stuck. The people were so busy blaming Moses. Weren't there enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the wilderness to die? Right? Whining and complaining. They had already seen 10 mighty miracles. They had, they had the glory cloud right there leading them. What is wrong with these people? But we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. What's wrong with us? Why do we have such little faith often? And so, obviously, we enjoy and we should be praying about everything, but there is a time to move forward. Let me ask you, are you stuck? What's keeping you stuck at the other side of the sea? Are you going to move forward or stay stuck? And so, you say, well, here's the people between, if this location's right, between the mountains and the sea and this Egyptian army, they got no way out. Well, it's true. With men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus said in Mark 14, 36, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Mark 14, 36. And so God directs now the next interaction to Moses. He says, as for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea. This is the staff that we saw turning the Nile into blood. God did it, but he used the staff. This is the staff that was used for the plague of frogs. And now Moses is told, stretch out your hand, stretch out the staff, that shepherd's staff, and divide the waters. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. Here's the plan. Moses, I want you to pray and get in an attitude of worship and I'll do the rest. Do you know that that's usually all God wants from us? He wants our prayer. He wants our worship. And sometimes people will mock that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, if they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Could it be that simple? You mean you, all you really want from us, Lord, is prayer and repentance? It's true. There's a king in the Old Testament. This is the book of Isaiah. And uh, I think it's Hezekiah. And Shennacherib, uh, the leader of the Assyrian 
uh, hordes that are just dominating the world are coming upon uh, Israel. And he goes and prays. And there's a threatening letter and he lays it before the Lord. And Isaiah the prophet comes to the king of Judah and he says this. He says, because you prayed, the Lord is going to deliver you. And it turns out as you read the rest of the story that uh, the king Shennacherib hears something and he goes back home and he's in a pagan uh, temple worshiping his false god and he gets murdered, he gets killed. God takes care of it, but he honors the king of Judah simply for crying out to him. Would to God that at the tops of churches in America and political institutions, we would be praying we would be crying out to God for wisdom and for answers and for solutions rather than trying to do it ourselves. There's an old spiritual, it goes this way. Moses stood on the Red Sea shore, smoting on the water with a two by four. <laughs> and there's been some wonderful depictions of this. Uh, Cecil B. DeMille's movie, The Ten Commandments, shows the parting of the Red Sea. And if you watched it decades ago, it looked fantastic. Wasn't there even a theme park that did it? Universal Studios showed it. And now you watch the movie and you're like, eh, not so great. You know, a little bit cheesy, the, the, the cloud and stuff. But if, how many of you have seen the Prince of Egypt movie? So now the Prince of Egypt movie, you know, it, it's Moses and he's young and he takes the staff and boom and bam, everything goes and there's whales lit up in the walls of water and the walls of water are, you know, 570 stories tall and and that's, that's Hollywood. That might be the Lord calling right now. <laughs> but the Lord... <laughs> Your servants are listening, Lord. Are you saying... Okay, anyway. <laughs> Can you imagine having the power to put your hands over the ocean and have it part. Wouldn't that be cool just to have that for a day? If you were a surfer, wouldn't that be cool? The swell's kind of low. All right, boys, what are we going to do? Now, just hold on a minute. (laughs) Six, eight-foot swells. If you had the power for the day where you could bring a wave on one of your neighbors, would you guys do that? Would you be tempted to... That neighbor, you know... (laughs) Loud music last night. No, don't do that. That's just a joke. But the Lord does amazing things. And all he asked Moses to do is simply take a posture of faith. Just stretch out your hands. And sometimes that's the most difficult thing for all of us to do. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts 17 of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, after Israel. And I will be honored through Pharaoh. I will be glorified even in judgment and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. And some of you may say, what Egyptians will know if, he, if the whole Red Sea collapses back on them? Who's going to know? Who's going to be left? Well, people in Egypt will be left and it will be spoken in the caravans and other peoples will hear how God made a name for himself as Nehemiah puts it in Nehemiah 9 through what he did. But here's the other thing. People come to know that the God of the Bible is God even when they die. In fact, 
that may be the time that it's most solidified. Would you not agree? Because your soul goes on living. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. We would love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with a question that you might have had on the teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Maybe you would like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Once more, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. How God made a name for himself, as Nehemiah puts it in Nehemiah 9, through what he did. But here's the other thing. People come to know that the God of the Bible is God even when they die. In fact, that may be the time that it's most solidified. Would you not agree? Because your soul goes on living. And a lot of people have come to the realization that the God of the Bible is God after their own personal death. So you're going to live on in one, or one of two places. And so we need to trust the Lord now. Walter Martin one time said that God, the God of the Bible, presides over the funerals of all the skeptics and atheists of all the world of all time. Because man is going to die. And we need to trust the Lord. And so God was not finishing uh, answering Pharaoh's question, says one writer, When he asked, who is the Lord, Exodus 5, 2, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? And God's been spending several chapters letting Pharaoh know who exactly he is. And so the angel of God, 19, who had been going before the camp of Israel, this is that glory cloud associated with the Lord himself, moved and went behind them, that is behind the people of Israel, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. I think these are one and the same. And notice where it says the angel of God, that's the messenger of God. Many people believe that that's the pre-incarnate second person of the Trinity, God the Son, moving from in front of the Israel, guiding, guiding them in front of Israel like a shepherd and moving behind them to create a blockade between the people of Israel and the Egyptian army. And we've seen this depicted in movies And this is what the Lord does for us. I don't know how many times without us realizing it, the Lord has saved us from danger. And there are several scriptures that I want to share with you that have this idea. Just write them down if you're taking notes. Isaiah 52, 12 says, The Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Isaiah 58, 8 says, Then your light will break out like the dawn when you live the right way and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. That's Isaiah 58, 8 and 9. And then finally, Isaiah 63, 8 and 9 says, surely they are my people, Israel, sons who will not deal falsely. So he became their savior. 
In all their affliction, Isaiah 63, 8 and 9, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his mercy, he redeemed them. And he lifted them and carried them all the days of old. Later in Exodus, we will learn that God says, I uh, bore my people on eagles' wings. That's how much I love them. And here's a picture of our great mediator, the great go-between between man and God. He stands and he blocks the enemy. What's our enemy today? It's sin. It's being enslaved to sin. It's death. It's the uh, devil. It's the world system. It's all this stuff coming at us. And he blocks it for his people. He becomes the barrier. He becomes the protection. He's going to take care of you. He will be your rear guard. He will lead you and guide you to you know, uh, streams of living water and still waters and green pastures. That's what the Lord promises. And it, the glory cloud, or the Lord himself, came between the camp of Egypt 20 and the camp of Israel. And there was the cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus one did not come near the other all night. So we have an interim period now of all night. NIV, I think, gives us a little bit more clarity. The glory cloud came between the armies of Egypt and Israel throughout the night. The cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. This is the beauty of this scene, and it's reminiscent of the ninth plague. Remember when there were three days of darkness in Egypt, but in Goshen there was light for the people of God? Well, now, if you're in the Egyptian army's camp, thousands of of soldiers, it's dark for you. On the other side, light to God's people. And this is the distinction that God makes. His people are light in him. You were formerly darkness. Now you are what? Light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. God is light. And in him there's no darkness at all. But here's a picture of the world. The world without God in the judgment of darkness the people of God in basking in the light of his love and goodness and protection. That's what we have. That's why we need to cross over from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. That's what Paul was told to do when he preached by Jesus. That that was his commission. Tell the people how to get saved, how to come out of darkness and come into the light. I wonder how many Egyptian soldiers were looking over into the camp of Israel thinking, you know, it'd be nice to be in the light. But there was the distinction between the people of God and the people of the world, if you will. The Egyptians, says Riken, were chomping at the bit, ready to attack. But all night long, God kept them in the dark. Meanwhile, on the other side of the divine blockade, the children of God were basking in the light. Our great go-between, Christ Jesus, protecting us from the big enemies of life, sin and death, Satan, All of the dark powers that we face, he will deliver us. He has delivered us. And so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and something else was happening. The Lord swept the sea back. It wasn't Moses. The Lord did it by a strong east wind. He used the wind because the wind is at his beck and call. And he turned the sea into dry land, so the waters were divided. Notice, it was during the night, 
It was the strong east wind all night. So this wasn't the snap of a finger uh, parting of the sea. The wind blew and blew and blew. And finally, it opened up the way. And part of the miracle was the dry ground that they could pass over. Because you would imagine it would have been, you know, mushy and it would have been difficult to move anything there, animals and, and the like. But the Lord, part of the miracle was he dried out the ground and the wind blew and he held back the Egyptian army. He's opening up the way for his people and holding back the enemy with his presence. Isn't he good? And he can do it all at the same time. Because we serve a mighty God, praise the Lord, who's a mighty miracle working God. And he blocks the enemy and he opens up the way for his people. And this is our story, brethren. This is the way of salvation. This is a picture of the gospel. Isaiah says, was it not you who dried up the sea? Isaiah 51.10, the waters of the great deep who made the depths of the sea the pathway for the redeemed to cross over. Remember when the disciples are in the boat and Jesus is finally getting some rest, long overdue rest, and a storm comes and the disciples begin to freak out. And should we wake him up? I don't know. Should we wake him up? And they wake him up. Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? And the Lord says to them, why are you so timid? You've been listening to Go Forward Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station? The same if you're listening on podcasts. You can always just click that share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they will do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, we've often joked, you know, that some people have said that the water was so shallow in the Red Sea crossing, the miracle crossing, that uh, there was a land bridge there and it was only a couple feet of water. And the old joke is then, okay, so then the entire Egyptian army was drowned in two feet of water, right? I mean, oftentimes, just like with the resurrection of counts, when people are trying to dismiss what the Bible says, it gets even more ridiculous. They try to come up with swoon theories and mass hallucinations and stuff like that. And the biblical record is clear that the Lord parted the sea. There were like really walls of water on either side. And when they came crashing down, um, The Egyptian army was drowned and not one of them survived. This is the biblical account, and it it speaks to something else, the power of Almighty God. The one who made the sea parts the sea. The one who made the dry land caused the Israelites to walk on the dry land because he is a God of power, majesty, and miracle. This is the God of the Bible, and this is the God who came down on a saving mission in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to save us. The miracle of the incarnation, the miracle of Christ's life, the miracle of the resurrection. This is our God for whom we have waited. This is our God. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, you're listening to the book of Exodus right here on Walk in Truth. Hey, if you want to know more about the church that's helping support Walk in Truth, it's called Living Truth 
Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. For some of you Southern California listeners, um, it may be fairly rare that you are hearing about a church that's close by, especially if you're in the Inland Empire, but here we are. We're right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. What you're hearing on the radio comes from the pulpit of Living Truth. So if you like what you're hearing and it's resonating with you and you don't have a home church, come on out and visit us. You can download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Find out all about the church in Corona. Uh, as I mentioned, right off Lincoln Avenue on the northern side of town in the city of Corona. Hey, if you want to come out for a weekend service on Sundays, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., I would love to meet you. We're going through the glorious gospel of Matthew right now, verse by verse. I know you'll enjoy the service, the people, an incredibly loving congregation. We have a wonderful worship team. And what you're hearing right now on the radio is what you can expect from the pulpit of living truth. So come on out. You can find out information and uh, driving directions when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store or go to walkintruth.com and click on that church tab. Hope to see you at one of the services and Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month, or you can always give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 14, verses 15 through 31 about the parting of the Red Sea, called Go Forward. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.